right, well, welcome everyone to uh, the first Sunday of 2024. It's really hard to believe that we are actually already now in, in 2024. And as you can see, today we're going to be talking about missions and uh, kind of where the church is going in that regards. But before we go there, I, I want to talk a little bit about the, about the new year. Like, I, I just wanted to see who, who likes the new year like who's into like really into the new year kind of thing yeah i know some people don't like it because it's like uh the holiday blues it's like we, we have to go back to work <laughs> you know it's gray and dreary outside um but i actually love the new year right it's this idea of like we could wipe the slate clean for what happened last year and we could enter into a new year kind of new hopes and new plans um uh, you know, one thing I would share is that in our family, and I've shared this with our small group before, um, we uh, talk, um, we, we, every year we share uh, our New Year's resolutions. Uh, and uh, New Year's resolutions uh, we go through, and each person shares a little bit about what they plan to do for the next year. And uh, we've now done this for 10 years. Can you imagine that? Uh, and so it goes from my daughter, uh, who Grace, and sorry, I didn't introduce myself for those who uh, may not know me. My name is Hal. I've been uh, with my wife, Carol. We've been coming for about a year and a half now to this uh, community, and we love it. It's really been such a privilege and uh, pleasure to be here. But Grace, uh, will, she's seven, and she say, she'll say, you know, I want to read the Chronicles of Narnia. That was on her list this year. And my wife, Carol, who is... Um, much holier than me, uh, has said that she wants to pray uh, with each of our children. We have three. And pray more with me. And so that's great. I love that. And for me, the top item on my list, you'll have to guess, uh, was my number one resolution, no joke, for the last four years has been that I will not eat french fries and potato chips during the course of the year. If you know me, actually, I love eating french fries. I could just eat french fries. Uh, but uh, and I put that on the resolution for four years, so that and I have pretty much kept with it, uh, in sight of God, you know. Uh, and and the biggest issue for me this year, as I was thinking through it, was should I expand that? Because if you know what I said, I said potato chips, but that doesn't mean that I don't eat other chips, right? So corn chips, nachos, those are all fine. We spent a lot of time eating chips and guacamole. Uh, and so the question was, maybe I need to expand this. If this is really for my health, but after discussing with Carol, we decided for, because we spend so much time fellowshipping over chips and guacamole, that if for the, the sake of the family, okay, I will sacrifice my health and not include chips as a general term, but only potato chips. Uh, and so I don't, I don't know uh, what you guys do for you, and if you have New Year's resolutions, um, and, and uh, but I, as I was thinking, you know, Drew, Pastor Drew, last at the end of last year, said, you know, we really want to have more of a focus on missions, on outreach, and continue to grow what the church does in this area. And so, um, you know, I was very excited when he said that the first sermon, the first Sunday of the year, uh, we're going to be talking about missions across all of the hope churches. And, you know, I was very excited because if you look at the next, um, next slide, you know, we're going to be studying today. We're going to be digging into kind of one of the most consequential, important 
you know, pivotal passages in the Bible, particularly around missions, and it's Acts 1.8, right? And as you read it, oftentimes, you know, it talks about what we're going to do to the ends of the earth and how we're going to go out. And these were the words that Jesus spoke just before he ascended, just before he, you know, left, left us and before, you know, he comes back in the future. These are the, the critical words of what he left us and his disciples and his apostles to remember. Um, uh, and so those are critical words, right? And so as I was starting to think about this and dig into this passage, I was very excited. It was like, we're starting a new year. We're going to resolve to do X, Y, and Z, A, B, and C. These are the things we're going to put them on a list and check the boxes and get out there and do all these things for God. You know, but as I kind of dug into this passage a little bit more and uh, read a little bit uh, from some of the commentators, what began to strike me, and I hope strikes you today as well, is that this passage, what we're talking about today, is less about what, God, what we're going to go out and do for God, what we're going to resolve and, and list out and go and conquer the world for God and more about what God has already done for us, what God has already done through, um, through Jesus and through his word and through history to equip us, to gift us, so that we can go out and accomplish uh, his purposes. You know, one thing, if you're going to walk away with one thing today, I want you to remember this passage from John Piper uh, is this idea that we're going to talk about missions, but missions exists because worship doesn't. Mission exists because worship doesn't. There's a lot of ways for us to think about missions, right? Sometimes in certain places it might be kind of this like crack the whip mentality, go out and do this and do X, Y, and Z. But I hope today as we study this passage, we'll walk away with this idea that we want people to know about our God. If you call yourself a Christian and you're a follower of Christ today, um, we want other people, because we've experienced that goodness, that, that the worship, right? The, like uh, that relationship with God, and we want other people to know about this. Just reading what John Piper wrote here in, in a little more detail, you know, he wrote here, worship is ultimate, not missions, because God is ultimate, not man. When this age is over and the countless millions of the redeemed fall on their faces before the throne of God, missions will be no more. It is a temporary necessity, but worship abides forever. Right? This idea that we've experienced this goodness. You know, we always talk about, you know, good friends share good things. If we've experienced this, don't we want the rest of the world, other people who have not had the privilege to also experience the goodness that God has, has, the good things that God has done for us. And so I hope that that's kind of the central philosophy, the tenant that, that as we think about engaging in missions, it's something that is a natural outflowing because God has been so good to us. Right? I just share one final thing, and this is from the um, uh, next slide, please. Westminster Shorter Catechism. If you know some of these, these are kind of early biblical teachings or writings to, uh, uh, writings to help explain the Bible. And the first question here in, the, you know, in this catechism is, what is the chief end of man? Man's chief end is to glorify God 
and to enjoy him forever. And I hope that, that you, you've experienced that and I get to continue to experience that, that joy that we have in worshiping and knowing God, just being in this community today, even as we grieve in some way, you know, as we've talked about our dear sister Simone, but being able to be in a community that, that grows together, that seeks to look and follows God together, well, how sweet that is, right? That doesn't exist in a lot of places in the world, and we shouldn't take it for granted, right? And missions flows from that, this idea that we have something good that we've experienced, and we just want to share it naturally. It just comes out of us naturally. And so I hope we think about that from this perspective today. So let's go ahead then, and we're going to go ahead and dig into this passage in Acts, right? Uh, it's Acts 1, 1 to 8. And if you were at the um, retreat a couple months ago, I think it was November, December, um, Pastor Mike spoke on this passage, if you remember. Uh, and what he talked about was that God you know, provides us, uh, supports us in the fellowship of the believers. And I kind of want to dig into that a little bit more. And so today, the way that we're going to kind of break this out um, is in these three areas, right? Is a reminder first for us to look upward, uh, you know, try to make, make this somewhat actional, you know, look upward, right? Because God has promised us many things. And as believers, we can grab onto those promises, particularly in difficult times. Next, it's a reminder for us to look inward because of those promises. God changes us. God changes our heart. God changes our direction. And God gives us a power that sometimes we don't even know we have. And it's a very different power than the way the world describes power. And then finally, a reminder for us to look outward and to accomplish God's purpose and these purpose to the ends of the world ends of the earth. Now, one thing I want you to remember and take away here as we look at this is the ordering. Because many times, whether it be in church, in our life, maybe you're kind of an A-type. Sometimes I feel like I'm an A-type, although my wife would say I'm definitely not. Uh, I'm more of a, I don't know, B-type. Uh, but this idea of, like, we want to get out and make our lists and check the boxes and do these things and do these great things for God or for our work or for our family or whatever it might be. But what you see here is in this ordering is a reminder for each of us to first think about what God has done, to remember, to look to God first, right? To look to God, to remember his promises, to remember his power, and then do things, right? That ordering is critically important because oftentimes we jump into things and we forget to, to where, where our strength comes from. And so this is an important reminder, and we'll, we'll dig into that today. Okay, so let's go ahead. We're going to talk first about this idea of looking upward. Next slide. God's promise for us. If you go to the next slide. So what does the, what does the passage say? It says, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So isn't it so interesting here that the passage starts with God making a promise to us? Just as Pastor Mike, if you were at the retreat, you know, mentioned is that we're out there, we're doing these things, but God did not just put us out there uh, without any kind of support, without any kind of 
uh, equipping so that we can accomplish his work. And what we see in this passage is that the passage is a reminder that God promises us something. And in this specific instance, the promise is of the Holy Spirit, right? The Holy Spirit that will come and dwell and baptize Uh, that we will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, that's kind of, there's a lot of theological kind of discussions around that. But what we see in the Bible, and if you look at the next slide here, is a reminder of what Jesus taught us, taught the disciples about what the Holy Spirit would do in our lives. Right? And so I just put up a few passages. There are many passages. In John here, it says, The Holy Spirit, who the Father will send, will teach you all things, will remind you of things I have said, will prove to the world about sin, righteousness, and judgment, and guide you into all truth. And so it's a really important reminder that, that the Spirit lives. If, you, if you're a Christian, the Spirit lives in you, right? When those times when you get, you know, tugged in your heart to say, is this the right thing? Is this not the right thing? God is reminding you, right, that the Holy Spirit is teaching you about what is right and what is wrong. That he's going to remind you of these things that we talk about today and talk about other times. He's going to tug at your heart to give you, to be, to, to be that reminder, to be that teacher. The other thing is that as we think about promises, it reminds me, at least when I was review, like looking at this passage, of all the promises in the scripture that as a Christian we have like access to, we can grab because God said those things. Right? And we believe God is all-powerful and follows through. We know that. And so it's a reminder to us to not forget those many promises that are in the Bible. You know, the first one I'd show here on the next slide is, is this promise of eternal life. That even with, with death in front of all of us, that we are not afraid because we know we will be with our creator. We have eternal life. And if you're, if you're here today and you're not sure what this is about, this maybe is, as Dave mentioned, maybe your first time, you're trying to understand, we welcome you here. We're so excited that you're here. And we also, um, I also challenge you, encourage you to speak to somebody because this is the most important thing that you can figure out, that you can ask about for your life, right? And that's about where am I going? And God promises us in his word eternal life. If, you have a, if you're a, a believer, we have no fear. Even as much as there's grieving and sadness, we don't fear death because we have eternal life. What else does the Bible promise us? The Bible promises us a few, many, many other things, and I only put a few up here, right? But this idea that when you go through deep waters, I will be with you something that we can grab onto and be reminded of and hold onto, you know, like um, we've been going through tough times as a community, as Pastor Drew mentioned, you know, with our sister Simone, such a lovely spirit of, of joy. If for those who, who know her, she, so, so much joy, such a worshiper, uh, deep waters, and we're reminded as a community that God is with us, that God has not left us. Maybe you're going through some tough times, like that, uh, whether it's at work, in your family, other places, right? That things are unfair. You're not sure of the way ahead. A reminder for a promise that God will fight for you, that maybe you need to stop doing all those things and remember that you only need to be still 
right? You just be still and let God do, do fight for you on your behalf. You know, I don't know each of our situations. But I do know that sometimes being still is particularly different, difficult. You know, particularly when we want to jump out and do all these things, that being still is really difficult. But as we see from this passage, if you go to the next step, what did, what did Jesus actually tell his disciples here? He said, on one occasion, while he was eating with them, I just point that out again, chips and guacamole, super important, right? And a lot of eating in the Bible. Uh, and that's part of the reason I love this church is because we do a lot of eating together, which is fantastic. But he gave them this, and this was just before he left. What was he doing before he left? He was eating. Isn't that pretty interesting with them? So he gave this command. He said, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait. You know, wait for the Holy Spirit. And I think that's an important reminder to us all as well, is that sometimes what God is teaching us is to be still and to wait and to um, not move. You know, for those um, who, may, who may know, um, Carol and I had the privilege to, be, uh, to serve as um, tent makers or what we call self-supporting missionaries abroad. Uh, in Asia for eight years, um, and, you know, we never ever thought that we would do anything like that, but God works in mysterious ways, and, um, and we came back a couple of years ago uh, because of some family issues and family uh, health issues, uh, and, um, and since then, we've been thinking and praying, like, where, you know, where is God leading us? Is there the opportunity to go back and it just seems like there is not that opportunity right now. It's not the right time. And so we've just been sitting, waiting, and feeling like, our, what are we doing? Is this God, or where are you calling us? Is this, how should we be thinking about this? And it's a reminder, if you go to the next slide, this has been a reminder for me to read this passage that it says, you know, this is from one of the biblical commentaries where it said, waiting times are not wasted times. In God's economy, you know, that you may think that wherever you are, this is like my dead-end job, or I'm really not going where I want to be, or I really want this answer about this thing, about my family, or about my finances, or about whatever it might be. And you're just sitting there, and, and you're not getting an answer. And I think it's a reminder here from the passage that sometimes God has us wait. God tells us to specifically wait. Don't go anywhere. Don't do anything. Be still and wait on God. So it's, again, it's a reminder for us that it's God who's done these things, doing these things, and not so much us as we start this new year and as we resolve to do X, Y, Z. That's really important, but it's a, it's a focus on what God has done for us and is doing for us already. Okay, if you go to the next slide, what I want to talk about, so we've talked about like this idea of looking upward and remembering God's promises for us every day to dwell in that and to, to study his word and to be reminded of God's promises for us as Christians. What does that mean? What's the next step? And what we see here in this passage is that God then imbues, gives us a, a power that maybe we don't even recognize or understand. If you go to the next slide, what the, slide, what the verse tells us in verse 8 is, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. 
You know, if you remember a couple weeks or months ago, Pastor Drew had a, a sermon or a sermon series that was talking about what does is, what is the world go after? What do we go after? We're in New York City. Like, what are those things that, uh, you know, the center of the universe? Like, what are those things that uh, we go after? You know, the world goes after sex, money, power, right? And, uh, you know, what is power? You know, when we talk about power, power is this idea of, like, I control you know, in our day and age, it's, I control. I have control over something. I can make decisions that impact, influence, change the course of somebody else. Right? I can command somebody else to do something. That's the kind of, of power. Right? Even when we look at the world today, kind of military powers and national powers, right? everybody trying to kind of take control right, of the situation. And if you look at the next slide, that's kind of the power that the apostles, disciples were were thinking of, because what they asked Jesus was, Lord, at this time you're going to restore the kingdom, right? This idea of a military might to Israel so that they could actually go against, go back against their oppressors and be restored in terms of their kingdom. But you know what? It's interesting because that's not the definition of power that Jesus teaches us. That's not the definition of power in God's kingdom. Actually, if you look throughout the scriptures in the next slide, what you'll see here is in 2 Timothy, it says, For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. And what did Paul say? Paul said, join me with suffering. Join me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. So actually, this power that God gives us is actually very much related to suffering, right, to weakness. If you go to the next slide, this is a very, you know, uh, I think common verse that people know, but, you know, what did Paul say? He said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. That in God's economy, power is about weakness. It's about suffering. It's about enduring those difficulties, and not just suffering for suffering's sake, not just weakness for weakness' sake, but we will be gladly boast about our weakness so that Christ's power may rest in me. This idea that Christ, through our, through our weakness, Christ is glorified. Christ is made strong, right? Christ is first and foremost. And even in, throughout the Bible, that even in those difficult times, that um, we would experience much joy. You know, I reflect on that in my own life. Um, you know, we went out, uh, as I mentioned, abroad. And in that first year, I remember speaking to Carol uh, and saying, hey, uh, I think I heard God wrong. You know, I think that calling, I don't know that I really understood it. I think it's time to pack up and for us to go home, right? Because uh, I just felt at wit's end. I felt like all the things, like in my work and everything, I just didn't know what I was doing, it was a different culture. I didn't understand and, uh, how to act in this culture, and I just felt like it was wrong. But in that weakness, I, it drew me to God. I understood, I learned more about God and depending on him than I could ever have learned um, in other situations, that I had ever learned before. That in that weakness, uh, in my weakness, God became strong. And somehow, you know, when I learned to depend on him, when I learned that I needed more faith, 
right? Somehow God turned things around. We ended up being there, as I said, seven more years. We would probably still be there if it wasn't for some of our family situation. But I just give thanks. I like lived experience in that. In that in the weakness, in our weakness, we draw closer to God. God's power rests in me. We can have boldness where we didn't think we could have boldness before. And so we give that thanks to God and we remember that. Next slide, please. So now we've talked about, uh, you know, we're doing all this directional thing. And in our small group, we were kind of doing this hand thing, which I don't, can't really remember. But it's basically up, in, and out. Now that we've, we've remembered what God has done, um, and we, we, we realize that God gives us an endurance, a joy, a power that we might not have otherwise, that we rely on God's strength, God reminds us to look outward and to, and to work on what God has purposed for us to do. So if you go to the next slide, what you'll see here is that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now, when I was thinking, when I first saw that word witness, I, you know, it, it wasn't a, I wasn't thinking of the Bible when I first saw that. The, what I thought was, um, when I thought of witnesses, does everybody, yeah, everybody knows LeBron James, yeah? LeBron James, you know, there's like a Nike campaign that is like something like, we are all witnesses, Do you know, does anybody know that? Nobody knows that. Okay, there we go, right. In the first service, nobody knew that either. I, I don't know. It's, uh, maybe it was many years ago. Uh, but there's like a line of shoes, like witness shoes. And I'm not trying to sell Nike. I actually don't like, uh, I won't comment on Nike. But I, but I, I just say, when this is not a promotional kind of thing. But the point here is that when we are witnesses, the idea is that you're a witness. It's not about, it's not about you at all, right? It's this idea that it's about somebody else. The whole focus is on that I've witnessed, I've seen something, and I'm going to tell other people about it, I will testify, but it's not about me. You know, it could be about LeBron James, but it's, in this instance, it's about what Jesus has done. Right? The emphasis, again, on this whole thing is not, what am I going to do and resolve to do in 2024, but what has Jesus done? And how can I be a witness to testify to that in my life? And it's really just kind of, you know, when you think about it, it's this idea that if something good has happened to you, you want to share that goodness with others, right? It just becomes a natural thing. We do that in every other part of our life, right? For example, I live, you know, on East 40th Street. I don't know if anybody lives around there, but across the street uh, opened a... um, new Korean restaurant. It's called Lim's Kitchen. And if you live around that area, I would recommend, again, to order it from them because I'm worried that they may close. <laughs> they may go bankrupt. There are not enough people going. So I, uh, I, I put in a... Uh, I have never done this before. I put in a Yelp... Uh, what is it? A review. Gave it five stars. Told people to go. And now I see there are like 10 reviews there. And it's really exciting because now I don't have to walk to Koreatown. To, I'm Chinese, although my parents were born in Korea, uh, but, and I was born in Brooklyn, actually. But, uh, but uh, I, don't, you know, I don't have to walk to Koreatown. I can just literally go out of my apartment, get the food, and come back in. And I want them to you know, flourish so for my own convenience. And the food is good. Uh, and so it's the same. So I will tell other people, just like I'm telling you to like, go to Lim's Kitchen. Uh, and in the same way, it's this idea like good friends share good things. And if, if this is such a central part of our life, that's what it means to be a witness, just to talk about things, to talk about what's important to us and to share that 
uh, with the people around us. If we go to the next slide, the other thing here that it talks about, if you see, is that it talks about Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria. And sometimes we think about Jerusalem as kind of like, you know, this is the area that I'm in. This is where I'm placed right now. This is what I'm going to do. But if you remember, which is kind of interesting, for Jerusalem, for these disciples and apostles, they actually were not from Jerusalem. They were actually from Galilee. And so... That's why Jesus probably told them, don't leave, because once Jesus ascended, they were under a lot of persecution. And they probably, if it was me, I would be like, I just want to go home, and I'm going to go home to Galilee. But what they said was Jesus told them to stay and don't leave Jerusalem. So Jerusalem's not necessarily just kind of like your hometown or where you are, but I think it represents in a way like that we are all a little bit uncomfortable we're all a little bit, you know, we, if, we, if we get too comfortable, wherever that may be, then somehow we, we just end up relying less on God. I think we've all experienced that. When we're very comfortable, we think we have it all made, we think we have money in the bank account, we, have, we know what to do, we forget about God, right? Who needs God then? Where's the faith? But when we're out of our comfort zone, God encourages us, hey, take a step out of your comfort zone and learn to rely on me. Don't leave don't leave when you feel like you should go back to your, 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 the place of comfort, the place of familiarity. He reminds us to not leave, but to stay and to be a witness in that area of discomfort, uncomfort. I'm not sure what the word is, but that you know what I'm saying. In the same way, he's, it's a reminder for us when we go to Judea and Samaria, different context, different cultures, right? We remember the Good Samaritan and the kind of the enmity between the uh, these folks, it's a reminder that, again, cross, come out of your comfort zone. Go across cultures. Reach out to somebody, right? To share your witness with somebody who is not of the same culture, not of the same background, right? And, if you, and what's interesting is this was actually done. You can see this. Acts is an amazing book because it all pivots on this Acts 1.8 it's like it sets the tone, and then you see how the gospel was spread um, through Acts. But in Acts 8, there was a great persecution of the church, of the early church, right? And all of the f- folks were scattered through Judea and Samaria, and, you know, Philip went and preached in Samaria. And what did they do? In verse 4, it says, those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Again, it's this idea that I, even in persecution, of di- in difficult times, I'm not, I don't want to like, I don't want to be here. This is not where I was, felt like I should be. Somehow I came here. I got here. And yet what did the folks do? The gospel was spread that way through that persecution, right? They were scattered, but they lived out their word. They lived out Jesus in their lives. And that's how the gospel became known. And that's how we see the spread of the gospel in the early church. Now, the other thing I want to share about is um, this term, if you go to the next slide, is the ends of the earth, right? The ends of the earth. And sometimes when we see this, we think like, oh, let's, you know, we need to go, we're on this side of the globe, we need to go to this side of the globe, right? That's the ends of the earth. And that is, there is the need for that. I'm going to share with you some statistics about groups who are sharing the, you know, the gospel to the whole world, right? But at the same point, I would say just as much as, you know, from New York City, we may send out people. People are sending missionaries to New York City, 
right? Because we're the ends of the earth from somebody else, and they see kind of societal's moral decay and all the things, the godlessness that's happening in our society, and say, they need Jesus, right? And let's send some missionaries to New York, right? So just realizing that there are the ends of the earth. But what God is saying here is that my word, my knowledge of me is going to be shared with the whole world. Everybody uh, in the world, if you go to the next slide, we're reminded in Matthew 24, where it says, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and the end, then the end will come. There is something critically important as believers for us to remember that God has a heart that this be shared, that his word be shared to all peoples, that all people should have an opportunity to hear the good news. I wanted to share with you one group. For example, if you go to the next slide, this is something that I heard at a missions conference uh, two years ago. Um, and there are other groups like this. I just put that up because this is, I thought it would be interesting. There's something called the Finishing Fund. It's actually a fund where you can, led by Christians, where you can contribute to accomplish the Great Commission. And the way that they look at this is looking at the three Bs, right? And you can see here, and sorry if it's a little small, it says believers in every people group, Bibles in every language, and a body or church in every village, suburb, or neighborhood. What does this mean? I want to show you some quick stats. Next slide. So um, believers, right? So they estimate that there are about 12,000 people groups worldwide. And if you look at the left uh, side, you'll see green, yellow, red. And this is hard to read, but it said red is greater than 2%, reached is greater than 2% Christian, unreached is less than 2% Christian, unengaged is 0% Christians. And what you'll see is that the majority of those many, many people groups that are unreached or unengaged, that is less than 2% Christian or zero. And what you see here is that over the last few years, though, from 2005 to 2022, that number of unengaged people groups is going from 3,500 to 1,400 to 83. So really crazy, like this idea, like we're not probably even thinking of this, but this idea of world evangelization of this God's message going across the world. The Great Commission is happening real time in our world today, and we have these tools that allow us to go and reach so many different people. Right? What else? Uh, if we go to the next slide, Bibles, languages. We all have the privilege of reading the Bible in our language today. Right? They estimate there are 7,300, 7,400 languages 725, 724 languages have full Bible translation, 1617 have New Testament only, but almost, you know, roughly 3,500, 4,000 people, uh, languages have no Bible translations. So 4,000 languages, there's no way for people to read the Bible in their heart language, okay? And then the last stat I would show you is this one, is that they are hoping that in, by 2033 that there would be churches uh, in every neighborhood, suburb, area of the world. That's their goal. And I think that's an amazing statistic that in, this, in our lifetime, something like the Great Commission, as far as we could tell, could be accomplished in terms of sharing the word around the world. So let me ask you as we close then, what can you do? How can you get involved in missions, in hope, in 2024. Uh, a few things I want to share with you. Um, next slide, please. 
um, you know, this global missions team. So we're, you know, creating a team to deploy people and resources to accomplish the Great Commission. And the vision for the church is that every person at Hope is an actively involved in global missions and for the world that God raises up indigenously led, self-sustaining, and reproducing churches all around the world. What can you do um, right away? If you go to the next slide, if you go on our website, you'll see that um, under global missions, the church supports 12 groups or others um, and has been doing that for many years. And um, I would encourage you to learn more about these folks, right? Rather than the church just sending a check to the, these folks, what can we do as a community to better support these folks out in the field, right? Um, one thing Pastor Drew mentioned at the retreat was that there's something like 30-something small groups in our church, in our churches. I, it, wouldn't it be amazing if each small group adopted one of these groups as their kind of outreach and got to meet and know these people, understand their needs? I would challenge each of us, if we're in a small group, to think about that. What can we do to support these folks better, other than, of course, just sending them a check? Right? What can we do to support better? Um, next, I would also um, say that if you're interested in a short-term global project, there's many projects, right? If I would just, Dave uh, Jennings, who was up here, he's led an amazing clinic uh, in Queens, I think, a medical clinic um, that serves the underserved. And if that's some skills that you have or interested in, you should go find out more and serve there because, as we know, New York City is the crossroads of the world, right? And, and there's many opportunities to serve here. Um, if you are interested in a short-term service in, um, right now we're still figuring out in maybe Latin America, um, it'll be around July 4th, um, and if you're interested, please reach out to Jacob. Jacob's right there. You could raise your hand. Um, and we're looking for people right now. We're putting, the, putting it together right now, okay? So if that's of interest to you, please, please consider that. And then the last thing I would say here is um, that we're putting together a missions committee, right? So people who want to inspire others, um, missions work, serve our global partners, have a heart for the unreached and want to go or send others. If that's you, please speak to me uh, because uh, we're trying to build uh, a team that's focused on this so that we can better serve um, others and serve this community. I'm just going to close here. I know that I've run a few minutes over, but I want to uh, close here just, uh, just for us to think about what this passage means for us uh, in 24. You know, we're focused on missions, and we've talked about global missions going out, you know, to the ends of the earth. Um, and that's noble, and that must be done. But it's a reminder that we are all, we should all be living missional lives wherever we are. That we are all, in effect, we're all missionaries. That it's not just somebody's pastor's job to do that, but that's what God calls us in this passage. Right? And I want to, it's a reminder to you today if, you know, you're the person who needs to write resolutions and doesn't do actions, then get on the ball and let's get some resolutions together and let's move it forward. On the same, same, you know, same idea, if you're the person who's always getting out there and, and forgets that it doesn't lean on God, it's a reminder today that God has promised for us, that God's promised us that he's with us He'll give us strength, that he's going he's to be the one that will lead us, that he will give us a power to do his work 
And so let's not rely on our own strength, which is fallible, but on our infallible God. Let, us, let me close us in a word of prayer. Father God, we just give you thanks as we kick off 2024. Um, you remind us in this passage in Acts, God, uh, for us to, to really lean on you, lean in on you, to remember your promises, um, to hold on to them in times of difficulty in particular. Um, and even in those good times, Lord, when it's easy for us to forget about you, um, to give us a power so that we can live for you, we can accomplish your works. We can participate in, in your great adventure that you are accomplishing around the world. Open our eyes, Lord, to see all that you are doing and give us clarity in what we should do, how we can participate in the year ahead. We give you thanks, Lord, and we pray this in your son's precious name. Amen.